You are listening to a message by Travis Scott from our gatherings at Shorebreak. Visit shorebreakchurch.com to get connected with more content. And if you would like to support the gospel being preached in Kona and to thousands online, your tax-deductible donation enables us to further Jesus' mission. Partner with us by giving at shorebreakchurch.com backslash give. Mahalo. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John. 1 John, we're going to be in verse 5, and we'll get there in just a little bit. Mahalos uh, for you being with us today. What a, what a t- special time it is for us to be together, worshiping Jesus, making much of Jesus. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, kind of dealing with a little cold thing. So if I sound like a, uh, a teenage boy, I went throughout this time with my voice squeaking, it's because I'm a teenage boy. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's not entirely true. No, just going through a cold, and so uh, bear with me on that if, if it does get a little strange in here and awkward. But um, we're so thankful to have you here. We are a church that, that really gathers in one another's homes throughout the week, and we collectively gather together here uh, every Sunday morning. And so that's why we call our worship times uh, gatherings. This is really just God's people coming to, to gather together just to, to make much of Jesus. We're not here trying to pretend like we uh, have it all together, that we, we have a good religious face on and, and we kind of go through the motions, but we're all here because we need Jesus. We want to hear from God. And so we're thankful that you're here this morning. Um, we're, we're all in need of Jesus. And so what happens during our worship gatherings is we just come to look at what God has said in his word. Like, you know, we don't have to come and, and you know, and, and hear from a man specifically or be entertained or what have you, though we might have different motivations of coming to church. But at the end of the day, we believe God has spoken. He's given us his word. And so this time is us just saying, God, you've chosen to reveal yourself to us. And of all the ways, you guys, of all the ways God could have revealed himself to you and to me, the way he primarily has revealed himself to us is in the word of God. And so as we open up the scriptures, we get to learn about him, that the creator of the universe would make himself known to us through his word. And really, that's why we, we do what we do on Sunday morning, that there's no greater thing we could devote ourselves in this time of worship than to be worshiping God through the word of God seeing what God would speak to us. Again, not the opinion of man, not to be entertained, not for any other reason except we desire to hear and grow in the knowledge of God. And so uh, we have this beautiful gift, this book of 1 John being one of those revelations of who Jesus is. And so let's stand now for the reading of God's word. We're going to begin in verse 5, and this is the word of the Lord. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him while we walk. We have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. Rather, sorry, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God, you are light. Heavenly Father, you are holy and you require holiness of your children. And we ask that by the power of your word and through the moving of your spirit, would you help us to come from darkness into light? May we see your glory, see our sin, and realize what you have required of us through your word. Jesus, we believe who you are to be. We ask that 
God, you would send your spirit, that, that your Holy Spirit would fill my words and that through your word, God, you would change us, shape us, and mold us to who you would have us become. We all come in here with issues, with sins that haunt us, with struggles that hold us, and we lay those down at your feet, God, knowing that we can come to you in joy. And so, Lord, I, I ask, God, that, that, I that I would decrease, that we would decrease this morning and that you would increase and that you would be made much of in this place so that our joy would be full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated. What we saw last week as we finally dove into the book of 1 John is that the Apostle John, the author of this book, he wasted no time in cutting to the chase. I mean, he, put, he laces up, this old man puts on his gloves, and he starts swinging for the sake of the gospel. And the first thing that John wants to address you and me, the first image he wants to invoke in our minds, the thoughts that we should have, the thing that, captiv that should captivate us above all other things is Jesus. He wants us to focus on, he wants us to think about Jesus. And just looking at verses 1 through 4, you can see that his priority is no other than Jesus. And as we've been exploring through God's word, through 1 John, we will see we've been looking at what the mark of authenticity is. What is the watermark? What is the branding? How can we tell a legit, real Christian from the fake? And it's not so much that we're trying to go around point fingers like, stop being a fake, yo, right? We're not doing that so as much as looking inwardly, examining ourselves and seeing how can God shape us and mold us? How can he change us? And what are the watermarks of him doing that? Am I, in fact, in Christ? What do I think about him? And so... John begins, that which was from the beginning. That's how he starts off, speaking of Jesus. That Jesus has always been. Jesus was never created. Yes, he was born of a virgin and in that miraculous birth, but that wasn't when he was created. He has always been. Think about this. Understand this. Jesus was never created. You mean, you can't fully understand that? Why not? Come on, right? Like, who can comprehend God was never created. Now, now, we believe it. Do we fully understand that? Of course not. He has no beginning. He has no end. And that's what John says. That which is from the beginning, this is the word of life. He is the one alone who holds eternal life. For Jesus is our word of life. And the word was made manifest, which is important. Because just like in John's time and just like our time today, we have people, many, who rival the nature and the character of Jesus to say, well, that's not who really Jesus is. That's not the real Jesus. We have our opinion of who Jesus is. In fact, there were Gnostics who believed that Jesus was a spiritual being, but that he was not actually man. And so John's like, um, no, that's not who Jesus is. Like, I saw him. I gazed upon him. I looked at this Jesus. I beheld him. I touched the resurrected Savior before, or touched the resurrected Savior, and before he was resurrected, I touched him. He is not some spiritual phantom. Jesus is who he says. He bodily rose from the grave, and that's important because, listen, if we get Jesus wrong, we get everything wrong. If we miss Jesus, we miss everything. And so if our eyes are distracted from him, and there are many Christians who naively walk into some churches and who naively believe of themselves, well, it's not really that important to get to, to study Jesus. Can we just talk about marriage and family and what I need to do? But John's like, um, first importance, the gospel. Get Jesus right. Because when we understand Jesus rightly, we worship him rightly. Isn't that what Jesus said? That that all who worship and come to the Father must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. Truth about knowing God rightly. So, bold John says, we got to get him right. In fact, we looked at what Martin Luther said, the, part, the, the man behind the great reformation that God used. He said, you should point, every Christian, you should point to the whole man, Jesus, and say, that is 
God. Jesus is God. And so to dilute who Jesus is, to dilute the purity of the gospel, is to have a watered-down version of Jesus that does not exist. To dilute the gospel is to delete the power of the gospel. Guys, this is essential Christian doctrine. The climax of what we believe, the watermark of a true believer. Who is Jesus? He is manifest. Jesus is fully God, fully man. And so now we continue in verse 5 with John's story, his testimony. And he says at the beginning of verse 5 that this is the message we have heard from him. And we proclaim to you. In other words, that this is not a message from our own origin. We have no new and unique special message. The message we declare and the message that John declared is from Jesus. In fact, I had a conversation with someone uh, uh, several weeks ago and and they came up to me and they said, how can you every single Sunday uh, deliver and give these messages? And I was like, what, you think I make up the message? As though you think I have to come and, and, and create some new gospel message. No, this script has been given to us. Everything that I need to say and that you and I declare and that we believe together has been given to us in the word of God. It's, it, there's no new message. In fact, if there is a new message, be warned. The Gnostics came with a new message. Oh, this is who Jesus really is. He wasn't a man. He was just a phantom spiritual being. That's who you should believe in. But when you people go that way, it becomes extremely dangerous. And so John says, we have no other message. Like, guys, the apostle John had no other message than the message that Jesus gave to him. No offense, but you're not better than John, and nor, nor am I, right? Like, are you better than the apostle John? Me, me neither, And if John's like, I'm just proclaiming what he told me to proclaim, why should we and why should pastors or anyone declare any other gospel? There is no other gospel. There is no good news except Jesus. Jesus is our good news. And so John says in verse 5, we have heard from him. We've heard from him. That This is the message. The message is, the origin is from Jesus. And, And I love what John says here. In fact, At the beginning, in these first five verses, John says, testify. We've testified this to you. We've proclaimed it. We proclaimed it. And soon again, he's going to say, we've proclaimed this to you. That's quite a lot of proclaiming. (laughs) See, Jesus for John is not a suggestion. He's a proclamation. He is the truth. So scriptures and our message, our script has been given to us. We have no editorial rights. You know, I... Growing up, my sister, I had a sister, she was in ballet, and so I had the privilege of going to her ballet recitals and her different recitals and different plays that were done. And some of these plays that happened were scripted plays, which meant you had to stick to the script. You could not improvise. And then there are those plays where you can improvise. I don't know if you've ever, but those are actually intriguing, where um, they, everything is ad lib, it's improvised, and who knows where the story is going to go. They, they don't even know. But that's not preaching. That's not Sunday morning. That's not what is, this is not improv. This is, we've been given the script. Jesus says, declare who I am because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is moving the vintage hand of John to pen these truths in this book. So pretty clear, the origin of our message, Jesus. But what is the essence of our message? Let's continue. Look at verse five again. This we proclaim to you. Here here is the the content. Here is the essence of the message. God is light. Guys, God, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Really doesn't matter your your background or, or where you come from or what time in history. Darkness is not good. Light is good, right? I mean, you understand that from even a young age, it was so funny. Our, when our little, one of our little uh, boys was just, I mean, little cakey, little grom, he'd run around, and there was about a, a 24-hour period, no joke, he was afraid of his shadow. It was awesome. It was so funny, because shadows are dark, and they follow you around everywhere you go, and it's, 
And it's scary. Even a two-year-old you know, can be afraid of the dark, right? And, and even in movies, darkness, when the scene changes and gets dark, usually it's not a good thing. And just like today, it was back then, darkness uh, biblically represents evil. Darkness represents rebellion, sinfulness, and secrecy. But in God, when it comes to looking at the nature and the character of who God is, God has no darkness. Think about that for a moment. There's some religions believe that God has wickedness in him or that, that God's plural could be angry. I'm not saying God's not angry, but, but they have a, 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 an anger that can never be appeased, a wrath that can never be pleased, a God who can never be satisfied. And this God has some evil forms in him, but the God of Christianity, the God that we hold to, our God has no darkness at all. God is not evil. God is not sinful. God has not rebelled because not only is God not darkness, but God is light. Amen. Our God is good. Our God is a God of light. And so Jesus even said this. I mean, Jesus arguing with the Pharisees, like when did that not happen? <laughs> Anytime you see Jesus talking story with the Pharisees, it's a fight. It's like they just want to come, trip the guy up, mess Jesus up. And uh, they couldn't, they just couldn't. And one of the things that Jesus said in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I, speaking of Jesus, speaking of himself, saying this to the Pharisees, am the light of the world. Now to say I'm the light of the world, big claim or not so big claim. You can't get any more offensive to the religious Pharisees who believed Jesus was not God than for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. So Jesus and John, speaking of Jesus' character and his nature, fighting for the deity of Jesus here, are saying, God is light. Jesus says of himself, God is light. And just so you know, those bold claims is what got Jesus killed. Like Jesus was not killed for being a nice guy, for healing people. Jesus was not killed even for, which I thought he, when I was reading through the story, I can remember when I was younger reading through the story, when he went in and turned the tables in the house of the Lord, like for sure, they're gonna like, no, they didn't even mess with him. They, they, they did not kill Jesus because of that. They killed Jesus because of claims like we just read in John 8, 12, where Jesus said, hey, I'm the light of the world. That's why they killed him. So again, knowledge is important of God, you guys. We must believe, from what we studied last week, that Jesus manifested himself in the flesh. And now that God is light. Now this is important because you have to understand the Gnostics were saying anything spiritual is good, is pure, is light. Anything that is physical is darkness, is wicked. John's like, no, Jesus is God. But not only is he spiritual being, he manifested himself in the flesh. But just because he manifested himself in the flesh does not mean he's not dark. He is light. Jesus is light. God is light. But knowing this must bring about change. See, knowledge of rightly knowing God brings about a belief that causes change in our life. I couldn't think of a better illustration I couldn't, I tried, but this, this is the best one. So bear with me, it's an illustration. If you had knowledge that before you came in here somehow, if you had knowledge that I had a bomb on me, which I don't, I don't have a bomb on me, okay? But if I had a bomb on me and I said in 30 seconds, this bomb is going to go off and you had knowledge of that. Mo if that was true, your knowledge would lead you to an action and that action would hopefully be you getting up out of your seat and running away from me unless I started chasing after you, right? 
See, your understanding, what you discovered, what you've understood, knowledge, led to an action. And the action is the, the result of knowledge that leads to action, I would argue, is belief. Knowledge that results in action is belief. So again, if just like I believe, just like if you believe that I had a bomb on me, that because you believed that that would, because you had knowledge of that, that would result in action that led to belief. Let me just say this. It's not enough to know that God is light and that Jesus manifested himself in the flesh. True belief that God is light leads to a life that is lived in the light. True belief is a life lived in the light of God. True belief in God will, will lead to a changed life. According to John, it's when we believe Jesus for who he said he is, that is when we have fellowship with God. To say we have fellowship with God and to believe who he is, but that, or to have knowledge of who he is, because knowledge and belief are two different things. And if that knowledge does not result in belief, do we really know God? It's, and this is the importance, you guys. This is how we can enter into fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, according, going back to verse 2 and verse 3. It's because Jesus was man, our mediator, and because Jesus was God, the perfect sacrifice, can we enter into relationship with God. See, you would not have the forgiveness of sins, nor would I, if God did not have a perfect sacrifice on the cross. So if Jesus fails to be God on the cross, then there is no perfect sacrifice. And so the only thing that would appease God's, God in a sacrifice would be God himself, which is why Jesus is God. But that's not enough for Jesus to only be God on the cross because if Jesus is only God on the cross and not man, then, then there is no mediator between, between us and God. There is no mediator between you and God the Father except the Bible says that Jesus is our great mediator. He is the mediator between man and God. Not because Jesus was only God, but because Jesus was also a man. Do you see the importance? There is no atonement for sin, and there is no mediation between us and God. There's no fellowship with us and God unless Jesus manifested himself and unless Jesus is the light of the world. It should blow your minds just to think about this for a second. You can have a relationship with God. You guys, God, the God of this universe, you can know him. Like he, he made a way for you to know him. Not only did he make a way, he went out of his way. Not only did he go out of his way, he gave himself up so you would come to know him. I mean, this is what it means to have fellowship with God. Fellowship is friendship with God. And for those of you who were here a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the, the, the life of John the Apostle, there is no greater person to argue for fellowship with God than John. the disciple whom Jesus loved and the disciple whom deeply loved Jesus. He had fellowship with God. And here's this older man saying, you can have fellowship with God. That yes, he is the God of all creation. Yes, he is the God of all glory. Yes, he is sovereign. Yes, God is powerful. But our sovereign God is intimate in his love with his children. This is why our joy can be full, going back to verse four. And we are writing these things to you that your joy may be full. See, when we have koinonia, fellowship with Jesus, then this is what John is talking about here. I mean, he mentions fellowship throughout this. You, you can't help but notice that when we have this fellowship with, with God, Oh, there's joy in knowing him. When we dwell with God, there's joy in loving him. So we could say that from what we've just studied here is that a watermark of a believer is sharing in the joy of the Trinity. 
When you are truly in Christ, the watermark that you are truly in Christ is when you enter into the fellowship that happens between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's joy in that. Because God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Now, now here's the thing. Can can we still walk in, in darkness then? Let's look at verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So, okay, do you believe in Jesus? Now, if you're not sure, if you're legit, if you're the real deal, if you're not sure if you believe in who Jesus is, I just ask, and, and if you're not a believer in here, we're so thankful you're here. This is, there probably couldn't be a better sermon for you to be here than on this Sunday. Not that, you know, all the other parts of God's word are not good, but I mean, really, this is a word fitly spoken. If you're not sure if you believe in Jesus, just ask yourself, are you in the light? Because God is light. And if you were in God, you are, you are in the light. God has no darkness. So if you are living in constant evil, if your life would be defined by a continuation of sin, if you are in continuous rebellion, do you believe in Jesus? John says, if we say we have this fellowship, if we say we have this joy in knowing God, if we say we love God, but we love the darkness, like how does that work? If you love light and you love dark, is that even possible? How how does that mix? How does... Light and darkness mix. Well, it doesn't, does it? I mean, it's like trying to mix oil and water. You, you, you can't mix the two. Darkness and light are complete opposites. In fact, scientifically, darkness is just the absence of light. So if we claim we believe that God is the light, but we don't live in his light, it's not me saying this, guys. This is John. We are liars. We lie. A life filled with darkness is because Jesus is absent in their life. A life that is filled with darkness is because Jesus, who is the light of the world, is absent from their life. Because if Jesus was not absent in their life, there would be light. And light causes the darkness to flee. Now, if you're a little concerned right now, <laughs> just, just, I, I just want to say this. Don't leave. Yeah, you got, you got to hang with me here emotionally, spiritually, focusing on these truths throughout the end of this. But, This paradox of light and darkness was alive and well during John's time. That's why he's writing this. This paradox was alive and well. John is showing us that there are reasons why Christians don't have joy in their fellowship with God, and that's because they're still stuck in darkness. I believe in Jesus, but I don't have this joy, some might say. And some might say, well, why don't I have this joy? Well, if we say we have fellowship, but we're walking in darkness, that might be a reason. But John doesn't stop there. He continues, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh my gosh, what a great verse. Amen. Isn't that such a good verse? Now you can rightly know Jesus You can have good theology even, but you can be relationally alienated from him. Let let me just, let me say this again. You can know rightly about Jesus. You can have good theology even, but not have a relationship with him, be alienated in relationship with him. But if we walk in the light, that means we dwell in the light of Jesus. Because listen, I know this is simple, but hear me on this. Anytime we deviate from the light of Jesus will only result in us being in darkness, right? If you ever at a moment in time stop to dwell under the light and walk with Jesus in the light, the default position if we do not walk with him in the light is we leave the light which results in us living in darkness. 
So yes, it's important to rightly know God, but here John is saying, you can't just rightly know about God, but you need to walk with God. Be by his side. Spend time with him. Look at verse seven at the beginning. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and with him, basically. So when we live with him and dwell with him, that's what it means to walk. It's not enough to know God. Did you know that? It's not enough to know him to have a relationship, fellowship with him, to, to know him intimately, personally, specifically. Him to know you and to, to read in, into who you are. When, when my wife and I, we, we, we go on date nights and um, it's, it's a great time for us just to hang out and to talk and to catch up and to um, spend time with one another. And so, you know, usually we'll go to a restaurant, not all the time, but a lot of times we'll go to a restaurant and sit down and I am walking with my wife into the restaurant. I'm sitting next to my wife while we're eating food because it's just an awesome time to hang out and, and put my arm around her and look each other in the eye and, you know, figure out where we're at and how we're doing. And, and so I'm with her. And then we'll, I'll walk with her to the car. And then sometimes after that part of our date night, we'll go do something else, like shopping, which isn't exactly my favorite thing to do. So... I'll walk with her into the department store or wherever we are when we're shopping. But then, you know, well, to see, the thing is, my wife, she likes to graze and to explore when she shops. I like to hunt, conquer, kill, and, 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 and win and get out, right? Can I get an amen from anyone in here who's like, <laughs> the men are like, yes, please. Like, oh, all right, um, so I'll start walking with her by her side when we initially get in there, but then she's like, oh, look, I want to try this on her. Oh, I want to smell this. And oh, I tried this on, but that didn't fit. So I need to try this on. And then before you know it, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm pretty much over it. And so she'll pick up on me, noticing no longer my walking by her side like I was at the beginning of the date. But, but near the end, I've kind of lost some interest. I'm not with her. And, and she'll see me eventually quit, tap out, sit on my phone, going through Instagram while she's trying on all these clothes, right? But she'll often say, hey, babe, will you walk with me? And what she's saying is, will you fellowship with me? Will you be with me when you were interested at dinner because there's food in front of you? Sure, you'll put your arm around me, but you're not putting your arm around me while I'm trying on perfume or putting on makeup or trying on these shoes or whatever. It's like, of course I'm not. I'm not, that's just not my thing, Right? But when she says, walk with me, it's not because when I sit down, I'm just being on my phone and being a typical dude. When I sit down, fellowship is broken, right? I mean, we're, we're not having this connection. We're not talking. She's doing her thing and I'm doing my thing. That's what it means to walk in the light. It means that no matter what you are going through, no matter what circumstances Jesus would carry you, you are to walk in the fellowship of Jesus' light. Walking in the light means to walk with Jesus. It's not sitting down when you're disinterested. It's not, well, Jesus isn't meeting my specific needs right now, so maybe I'm going to give him a break and I'm going to go let him do his own thing. A lot of us do this. But Jesus says, no, you're to walk with me. You're to be with me. We're to have fellowship. And when I walk and lead you through the valley of the shadow of death, you should be there close by my side. And when I take you to the highest mountaintops and the most beautiful views, you should be walking with me and dwelling with me because I am the light. And anytime you take a break from me, you kick in Chris control or you say, you know, I just want to give myself a little break, Jesus. Just a little break from the light. Just let me enjoy a little bit of darkness. Then I'll come back to you, right? Come on, come on. I know you've been there. I've been there too. Guys, to walk in the original Greek here means this. Here's a definition. A moving towards, a, to, to live for. So, so isn't that awesome? It's, it's, we're not, I'm not saying that you have to perfectly dwell in the light all the time, but it's the idea that we're moving towards the light of Christ. And, and the last one here is really interesting. This is the definition of what it means to walk in the light. This idea of walking is the way one conducts himself. Isn't that interesting? So let me ask you, are you walking in the light? Let, let me push this a little bit further. I'm, I'm going to get personal here, but it's because it's I love you. 
is the way that you're conducting yourself in the light. So when, when it's late at night and, and it's dark and, and you're on the computer, is what's happening in that moment in the light of Christ or is it not? Amen. Is the way that you treat your spouse in the light? Is the way that you conduct yourself toward the light of Jesus? Is the way that you, I, you discipline your, your children? I remember uh, it was a while back talking to a, a guy who was actively abusing his children and then raising his hands in worship. That is not walking in the light. It's the way we conduct ourselves. Is the way you, 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 you know, we have a lot of single people in this church. Praise God, we're thankful for that. But is the way that you handle your dating relationship uh, with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, is it in the light or is it in the darkness? It's the way we conduct ourselves. We are to be walking in the light. We are, not, we are to be moving towards Jesus. And again, listen, whether it be in our relationships, in our marriage, with our coworkers, wherever we are at, if we are not moving towards Jesus, we are drifting into the darkness. So Grandpa John says, hey, walk in the light. Now, maybe at this moment you're like, maybe you're like me, and you're thinking, oh man, I believe this, but there's still sin in my life. Like, like I, I have knowledge that I'm to walk in the light, but I don't always walk in the light. You don't even need to raise your hand for that. I know that's all of us in here. Probably. See, because of our sin, fellowship with God is broken. And John here is again trying to fight for our fellowship with God. But sin, hear me on this, you guys. Sin, living in the darkness, breaks our fellowship with God. That's why Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 59 too, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. You, you had fellowship with God, but because of your sin, that fellowship has severed your relationship with God. And so no longer are you intimate and close in personal relationship with God, but sin has gotten in the way and that you in the darkness. And because you're in the darkness, it automatically means that you are not around God because if you're around God, you would reflect the light of God. The light of God would shine in your life. Okay, if I still sin, if I still run to the darkness, and I know I'm supposed to be in the light, what am I supposed to do? It's almost as though the Apostle John knew our minds would go there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not living like the way that I should. Guys, John writes, John writing this shows that there are Christians saying they have fellowship with God while walking in the darkness. And so John wants to settle that issue. Let's, let's work through this. So if I know I'm supposed to walk in the light, but I'm not walking in the light right now, what am I supposed to do? All right, guys, this is important. Verse eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Let's go down to verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So what's the answer here? We need to be truthful about ourselves. We need to be honest before God and honest with each other that we are not perfect. We are not innocent people who've made some mistakes along the way, born with a neutral slate, and then somewhere between 3 and 12, we or 13 or 15, whatever, made a couple of bad decisions and then became a sinner along the way. We were born, the scriptures say, into iniquity. We were birthed out of our mother's womb. We were selfish sinners thinking about ourselves in need of redemption. And sin is not something that happens outside of us. Sin is something that is in us. 
We sin because it is our nature to sin because we have and carry a sinful nature. So sin is not just something we do, which it is, but sin is who we are. It's not outside of us. We are by nature sinners. And so if we, have, if we say we have no sin then, if we say, never sinned, I have no sin, John says we're liars, we are deceived, and the truth is not in us. So I want you to see the contrast now, going from one truth to another. If we've seen that God is light, and in him there is no darkness, then fallen sinful man lives in darkness, and in him there is no light. And here we go. One of the watermarks of a true believer is not being a liar and acknowledging that you are sinful, that you are wicked, that we all need, me included, am in need of redemption. If you cannot admit that you are a sinner, guys, guys that, that's, I'm just saying, that, that's a watermark. Maybe you're not in him, if, if not. But here's the thing. We skipped over a verse, and I did that on purpose. I want us to, to read our last verse this morning. Look at verse 9. Guys, this is good. If we confess our sin, sins, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please hear me on this. We all either face, we all face this, either to walk in the light, coming to him and opening our hearts before him in confession of sin or to walk in the dark denying that we are sinners and by doing that, you guys, we're making God a liar. See, here, we're coming full circle now. If sin separates us from God, then confession draws us into the light of Christ once again. That as great as my sin might be, Jesus' work on the cross is greater than my sin. Guys, as great is your sin, Jesus is a greater savior than the debt of sin you've racked up for yourself. And he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive you and cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Think of the dirtiest, most wicked, most nasty thought, sin, action you've ever done. That can be forgiven by Jesus. Jesus will cleanse that and wash that by his blood. Do you see? Sin flourishes in darkness, but it is choked out by the light of Jesus. And so if you struggle in sin, the thing is, well, I gotta, gotta, not, I gotta, you know, can't stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. No, it's not stop sinning. It's look to Jesus and you will naturally stop sinning. Set your focus, set your eyes on him and you will move in the light. And as you move in the light, your sin will not flourish because sin flourishes in the darkness. But in the light, it's choked out. I'm not saying you will be perfect, which is why we need confession. And you don't have to come and confess to me. This is between you and God. There, there's no mediator between me and Jesus now. There is just Jesus between us and God. We don't need to go to a person between us and Jesus and that person goes to Jesus and God. It's, we have fellowship with him. We starve our sinful nature by standing in the light of Christ. We starve our sinful nature by walking in the light. Amen. And this is only possible, you guys, because of Jesus. Here's the cadence. See the cadence. God is light. We are sinners in darkness. But Jesus' blood washes us clean and draws us into the light. For it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. We have no cleansing. We have no redemption. We have no light if God is not who he said he is. And just as a side note, you guys, before we really wrap this up here, 
not only is this fellowship being spoken of, of our fellowship with God, but look at verse 7. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. See, what happens there is often when we sin, not only does sin mess up our relationship with God, but sin messes up our relationship with one another. But love covers a multitude of sin. And so as we see the blood of Jesus cleansing your life, cleansing my life from sin, we can be restored even into fellowship with one another, which is why community groups are so important, which is why being uh, gathering together on a Sunday morning is so important. And it's so tragic and sad that when people, we've seen it, guys, so many, so with so many people so often, people thriving and involved and plugged in with the, the fellowship of God's people and with God. And when sin happens, instead of confessing, they leave fellowship. And, and, and they're, just, they're in darkness. And the very thing that they need is the very thing that they run away from. We need one another to call each other out, to, to call each other into the light, to, to be here for one another. God would, if, if God's fellowship on this side of glory was enough, then that would have been enough, but we've been called to fellowship with one another as well. That's part of his plan. All right, so you said fellowship with God. We get it. What does that mean then? Fellowship with God is running to him thirsty. Drinking deeply from his waters of which you will never thirst again. That is what fellowship with God is. Fellowship with God is reading the scriptures. Guys, fellowship with God is reading the scriptures. It's interesting. Look at the end of verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. When the word of God is not in us, sin dwells within us. But when the word of God is hidden in our hearts, sin begins to be purged out of us. Fellowship with God happens when we are with God in the word of God. Fellowship with God is being truthful about who we are. God, I'm a helpless sinner in need of your grace. Fellowship with God is confession of our sin and confession of his great glory. Fellowship with God is walking with God, walking in the light and enjoying him. Paul in Romans tell, tells us that all have, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not a person in here who is not guilty of sin. And if you deny that you're, if you deny that you were a sinner, you were not a Christian. But you probably don't need that much convincing to realize you were not perfect. Ask the light of God to shine in your life to reveal your sin to you. And as you see God's light through the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe even as Christians bringing up sins in your life right now, as you confess that sin to him or those sins, guys, he is faithful and he is just to cleanse you and to forgive you, guys, from all unrighteousness. Your dirtiest sin is not so bad that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away that stain. And I'm talking about sins that you've done and I'm talking about sins that have been committed against you. And as you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, your debt is canceled, you are made new, you can have fellowship with God and your joy will be full. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Oh, thank you for your good scriptures, God. God, may we contemplate. God, part of fellowship is wrestling with this truth, letting it shape and change and chisel away at what does not belong. And, and God, may in this place of contemplation, we even fellowship with you there as we contemplate these truths that we have talked about Jesus, we believe that you are the light of the world. We believe that we are sinners in darkness. We believe that we are in need of your grace. May we confess our sins, and as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as we're praying, with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, listen, if you have not had a relationship with Jesus, but the light of Christ has shined in your life, God, the Holy Spirit, has shown you your sin right now, now confess your sin. Amen. 
Believe on the name of Jesus. And as you confess your sin, again, it's not just a knowledge of God, but a knowledge of God that leads to belief, and that belief leads to action that is changed. Be washed by the blood of Jesus. This is a work that he does. He cleanses us. He washes us from sin. And so listen, if that's you, if God's shown you your sin, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Respond to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life by you confessing your sin. Tell God that you're a sinner. Tell God that you've lived in darkness. He knows anyways. And by the blood of Jesus and the work that Jesus has done on the cross, you can be restored into a relationship with him. Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner in need of redemption. I cannot help myself. I need to be cleansed by your blood. Make me new. Restore my relationship with you, God. I believe in you. I believe that you manifested yourself. I believe that you died on a cross and bodily rose from the grave. And I believe, God, that you are light. Draw me close to you, God. May I live in your light. And listen, if there are any Christians hearing my voice right now, you have sinned unconfessed that God has shown you maybe for the first time this morning. I just want you to, to bring that sin into the light. Confess that sin before God. You guys, he is just. He is faithful. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I just want to give you just a moment for you to confess your sin before him right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. You're good. Who are you that you are mindful of us, God, but you are. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices for your glory, for our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus.